Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Sinai Tur Chosh Alav Shalom. Lidur Ishmat Sinai Tur Bat Bat Shokrula Aleha Shalom, sponsored by a grandson, Ben Chakshur. Uh, as well, dedicated in honor of the birth of baby boy Shor, born to Nicole and Ben Shor, sponsored by their family, Simantov Umazatov Mabruk. As well, dedicated by Emmanuel Zara in honor of Sammy Sutton for leading the Keilah and beautiful Selichot Tefilot through Elul and the Ten and the Aset Met Shuvah, Zaku Baruch. And as well, in honor of Mrs. Melissa Cohen, you are wise beyond your years and your insight and advice are always invaluable to me. Hashem should bless you with love, laughter, a lot of Pranasan. Inshallah, this year you should have many Mishemachot. Love you forever, Lori. Uh, dedicated loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra, Leah Shalom, Lilishmat Leah Batchana. Her philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. And as well, I'm not sure if there's a sign here, but for the Mazal and Bezat Hashem Beracha of the name that we just changed today of Daniela Batya Bat Shantal, Bezat Hashem Besimantov, Mazatov, Shat Beracha. Inshallah, it should be um, uh, with uh, all the right uh, uh, re- reverberations in Shamayim. And finally, the week of Cobra is sponsored by David Yash and our view. And your substantial capacity is good today. And every day, my friends, let us open the words of the Vidui. The words of the Vidui that we're going to say so many times. We say, Let our prayer come before you, God. And don't turn away from our tehina, from our begging. Where we're begging you, Akadosh Baruch for forgiveness. She'en anu azefanim ukshe'orev. Because we are not, we don't have chutzpah, and we're not stiff-necked. Lomar lefanecha, to say in front of you, tzadikim anach lochatanu. That we are righteous and we've not sinned, but rather, we fully own up, we admit, that what? That uh, actually we've done, uh, we've done these sins that we're guilty, we're guilty of. We're entering a plea deal. Imagine that that's how you're going in. The Sifre Musa teach us something incredible. It says that the Sadiqim, they get judged on Rosh Hashanah. They write in the Book of Life. And uh, the Rishaim as well, Chalas, Book of Death. Done. Benonim, those that are middle of the road, you know, half, half, they are Nitlin, they're Tolin. They wait for them. They hang, their judgment hangs. Aset Meteshubah until... Yom Kippur, and finally, when Yom Kippur rolls around, the Benoni gets his, uh, his, uh, his Psak Din uh, on Yom Kippur. The Sifre Musar say something unbelievable. The word that's used by, Chach, by the Chachamim is instructional. It says that the Benonim are Tolim Ve'omdim. They are hanging. Say the Sifre Musar, imagine the Benoni has a noose around his neck. He's got the thing, he's hanging from the item but he's got the platform underneath him. What did they used to do? The executioner would then come, kick out the little stool, chalas, the guy's over. The Benoni has to understand, all of us, which Rambam says a person is supposed to consider themselves Benoni. Where does he get this from? From the Gemara itself. The Gemara Kiddushin says that a person should always see himself as he is Hetziav Zakai, Hetziav Hayav. He's half He's half good, half bad. One deed turns him into a tzaddik. One deed turns him to life. And not only that, a person should also see the whole world as half chayav, half zakai. So if I do one deed, Could you imagine? Let's say the whole world's on a 50-50 situation. I come to shul this morning, 
not only do I get the zikhut and do I have the pleasure and privilege of turning my life to the good, but I also have managed with that one deed to make the whole world go 51-49, or at least 50.00000001, but I turn it into a majority, and I change the whole world. Rabutai, sometimes we are unaware of the power of our actions, and it's only la'atid lavo in the world to come, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to show you uh, in the, you're going to weigh your deeds and you know what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're about to go down the wrong chute. Shoot, you know that chutes and ladders? You're going to go down the chute to the wrong place. They're going to start putting skyscrapers on the, on, the, on the scale. They're going to start putting theme parks, stadiums full of people. Could you imagine? Why? Because it happens to be that what happened on that day that you decided to give that tzedakah, on the day you decided to write a letter in the Torah, on the day you decided to go to shul early, on the day you decided to, to start joining a new shiur, the whole world was in peril. And the mitzvah that you did in that split second, what happens? Unbelievable. Changed everything. You're going to get the reward for literally, without even knowing, having saved the world. My friends, on this, our chachamim tell us, Megalgelin zechut al yedei zakai. What does that mean? That we roll a zechut on someone who's clean, who's pure. Borei Olam knows that the world's in this 50-50 state. You could decide to do your mitzvah exactly 60 seconds later. And then who got the zechut of pushing the world into the positive column? Some other guy. Some other random person. How do you merit that Borei Olam gives you that energy, that feeling in exactly the right moment so you could save yourself, your family, you could save your city, you could save your country, you could save your world? That's a zechut that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives to someone who puts in the effort all the time. And whenever you show effort in an area, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you more in that area. So if a person does communal work, everyone who does communal work will tell you, what happens when you do communal work uh, 101? Immediately, what lands on your doorstep? Community work 102. You take on a project, Dave, you want me about this? You decide you're going to do something, next thing you know, the next item is on your doorstep. Now you're thinking, I can't believe it. Hadji, I did the other one. Hashem is looking at exactly the opposite. You did something for the community. Let me help you have the zikhut of the community. And there's so much ink spilled on this concept of Mizakeh Harabim. When a person is Mizakeh Harabim, wow, the things that the Torah says about such a person. The Birachot that land on his doorstep. The Kapara that Hashem gives him because he's a person that the community needs so desperately. Our eyes should always be open for that. The other week, there was a situation in England where all of a sudden the bottom fell out of the English economy. And the pound dropped for almost to parity, one dollar, one pound. Someone asked me, what do you think? I said, he says, you think it's Spain and Greece? Or do you think I should invest? I said, look, I can't give you financial advice. But I said, you want to know my gut feeling? Yes, buy pounds. He said, why? I said, because it's not Spain and it's not Greece. Think about what Spain and Greece brought to the world economy. Almost nothing. Think about England in the world economy. 
Think about what's going on in London for so many years, the financial sectors, the high-tech se- sector. Now, could they kill it? Yes. But is it another Spain and Greece? Not. Anyway, that night, there was an intervention from the Bank of England. And I think it rose like 7%. I sent this guy a message. You always listen to the rabbi. <laughs> he was considering investing a million dollars in buying. Had he invested all that money, he would have made 7% literally in one day. I'm not telling you to listen to my financial advice. Please... Let me just reiterate this. Please do not take my financial advice seriously. I need to say that and indemnify myself against it. But Rabotai, I'll tell you one thing that you could take to the bank from me every day of the week and six times on Sunday. And that is the same way everyone is looking for that financial opportunity. Everyone wants to, they want in on a good deal. You hear someone who's buying a building, buying a company, buying a this, and you know, you ask him, could I get in? Could you give me one? Just give me, can I get a, a point? Can I get just a, a little percentage? Could just cut me in on the deal. Dachilak. You're begging him. Could you imagine if we looked that way at the zikhuyot of zikuy harabim? Because that is actually how we should see it. Someone is doing a project. The other day, I know he's not here so I can embarrass him publicly. I'm going to embarrass Mark Ajmi publicly. Mark Adjmi a long time ago came with an idea and he said, please, Rabbi, why don't we do something about, you know, could we arrange a shot? Nez, we talked about it, right? And he, and he sponsored it. And every year we've been doing it, more and more people. I think the guy checked, Erev Rosh Hashanah, over 200 garments. And I think he found something like 30 or 40 things of shot nez protecting people from Averot. And again, I don't know if he's going to allow me to say this, but like we say, Zechet Tzadik Levracha. Everyone always thinks Zechet Tzadik Levracha is only something you say when a guy passes away, but Menan. Zechet Tzadik Levracha means the mention of a Tzadik is Levracha. I want to tell you about a Tzadik. His name is Shai Mahani. Yesterday, we were speaking on the phone. He had some, some suits. They were, un, they were not salvageable. Shatnes. Throw them in the garbage. Done. What are you going to do with them? Right? He's going downstairs, he notices that his non-Jewish doorman is roughly the same size. He says to the guy, why don't you come up to my apartment, I have some suits I'm giving away, I'm not going to use them anymore, they might fit you. The guy puts his suit on, he feels like a million dollars, he's the biggest Kiddush Hashem. Could you imagine, not only you get saved from Avon, but you turned it into a Kiddush Hashem. Look at this, this is a guy, and this is the perspective that we should have during this time, we're so close, we need to grab another mitzvah, another opportunity. We have to see ourselves that way. Chetziav zakai, chetziav hayav. I need to look for as many chances as I can. So with Shatnez, I got the avon, I saved myself. How can I turn that? How can I parlay that loss into something else? Rabotai, it's so interesting to me that in the world of finance, we're so good at this. You lose money immediately. Get on the phone, call your accountant. Let's get this a deduction now. You know, if I lost money, put it in the tax. Let me figure out how to make a loss into at least a, a modest uh, gain. Let me get something out of the money that I lost. Depreciation! Fantastic. There are people who buy depreciation because it's worthwhile for them, for their taxes. Could you imagine that's how we looked at zikhuyot and mitzvot? Why don't we look at it that way? I think there's two reasons. One is, God doesn't care. But I think most of the people that are listening to this 
take care. If you're listening to a Torah class at breakfast in the class, or you're listening, you're tuning in to Spotify, there's 900 other things you could listen to on Spotify that are popping up in your feed, 9 million, right? You don't need to listen to this unless you want to learn Torah. So it's not that you don't care. So why don't we think about it this way? How come we're not plotting and scheming? How come we don't have creative accountants figuring out for us how to turn an avon into a mitzvah, how to find, how come, why? I think that's what we opened with. We say to God, we are not people of chutzpah, we are not people of arrogance, to say in front of you that we are tzaddikim. Why do we have to say this? What's the connection? I want to share with you something that's so powerful. I was just sharing with the rabbi. We're to have with us Rabbi Chaim Levi, who's a tamichacham, a scholar, a hazan, who prays so beautifully on the high holidays. My friends, let me share this with you. The Torah says that there's some people, a couple people, God can't stand. I know there's some people we can't stand. You might guess they're in politics. I don't have to point any fingers. Right? There's people you can't stand. You don't have anything to do with them. Right? Chalas, if they upgraded you for free to first class and they were sitting in the seat next to you, I would go back to economy. <laughs> right? Some people you can't stand. There's somebody that God can't stand. Who could God not stand? God has in his heart to forgive everybody. That's what it says, right? Even a rasha. Ad yom moto lo. Till the day of his death I wait for him. Im tashub. If he returns, miyad tekebelo. I'm going to accept it. Who can't God stand? The Gemara tells us that the hate, that the, 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 um, the abomination of God, tova tashem, kol gova lev, is a person who's arrogant. So much so that it says about a person who is arrogant, who's not humble, God says, en ani dar I can't be in the same room as him. Do you ever have someone that you hate that much? That if they even walked into the room, you have to leave? That's how God feels about a person who's ge'eh. Shema Yisrael. And let me double down on my Shema Yisrael. Because what do we just say? We say on Yom Kippur, Ki bayom alechem. On this day Hashem is going to forgive you, right? On all of your sins, from in front of God will you be purified. But there's a little legalese that you might not have noticed. Call your lawyer, have him look over the contract. In order to be forgiven, what do you need to be? You need to be in front of God. But we know there's one thing that makes sure that you're not in front of God. Because you and God can't be in the same room. And what is that? If you're arrogant, that's what we mean here. Look at the depth of our prayers. We're not stiff-necked enough, arrogant enough to say, to say in front of you, because if we were arrogant enough to say that, then we wouldn't be in front of you. My friends, the Pasuk tells us, Dirshu Hashem b'himatzeo. Reach out to God when he's found. Kiruhu, call to him. Bihiyoto karov. Call him when he's close to you. The Gemara says, what's that referring to? 
The Aseriti Mei Teshuvah, Elu, Rosh Hashanah, but for sure, of all days, which day is God closest to us? Yom Kippur, he travels from the highest heavens to the lowest of the low. He goes to places of Tum'ah. He goes to places of physicality. HaKadosh Baruch Hu travels all the way to us where we are on our terms. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Borei Olam came all the way to you and then you put on the suit that made sure that you couldn't walk in the room? What's that suit? The suit of Ga'ava. She'en anu azepanim. Because if we were, we would not be lomar lefanecha saying it in front of you. Sometimes the reason why we're not looking for the flip of the avon to the misvah, for the opportunity to do something for the keilah, is because you know what? We have the arrogance to think that we don't need it. I'm good. You know what? I pray enough. I do enough things. I'm good. I'm a sadiq. You know what? I'm not like a sadiq like you, Rabbi. But I'm a sadiq enough. I don't need to worry. I'm good. To think I'm good is arrogance. And you know what the crazy thing is? No matter how strong you are, to think I'm good, the Gemara is telling you, is arrogance. Because the Gemara says, Rambam quotes it, that a person has an obligation to see themselves as if they are chetziav zakai chetziyo chayav, half and half. How could that be? I'm a rabbi. All day long, I'm teaching Torah. I'm going to the Minyanim. I'm doing this. I'm trying to help Tzedakah. How could it be? You know what the answer is? Because Tzadikim, righteous people, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Middakdek Imahen, God is strict with them, Kichut HaSe'ara, like a blade of hair. And what that means is that the better you are, right, the higher you are, the more Hashem's looking at you, the closer. You did tzedakah, but how'd you do tzedakah? How big was your smile? How many teeth did you show? You know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does that thing from the, you know, the dentist where they take the picture, and then he holds up the teeth. Okay, how many teeth does he have? And how many teeth did he show? He has more teeth than he showed. Not enough. A person grew up religious. They think, oh, I'm good. I grew up religious. I went to yeshiva. That doesn't make it easier. That makes it harder. There's even more of an expectation from you. When we look at it that way, we realize that we really need to double down. My friends, so I'm going to offer a piece of practical advice. Okay? Am Yisrael has a superpower. We have a few superpowers. But what is one of our superpowers? We love to complain. Give a Jew a five-star hotel. And what is he finding? The reason why he doesn't like his room. Right? Give a Jew a beautiful airplane, first class. He fi- what, what is he going to tell you when he gets off the plane? You know what? I flew. It was amazing. I got upgraded for free. First class. You know what I... Yeah, but they gave me that little bag. This wasn't the, they didn't give me a nice little bag. The bag that they give you with all the items in it. That last time I went, the other place, the other plane I flew, they had nicer amenities. We love finding things to complain about. We love to kvetch. Right? Is that true? How many times you've been away on a program or on a this or on a that? They're being served food all day long. It's not enough. The food is one minute late. People are going majnun. Let me ask you this. Why do you think Jews are so good at complaining? 
Hashem does miracle after miracle to save you from Egypt. And you're in the desert. And rain, literally, it is raining down bread from the heavens. The Chachamim say they used to make a special beracha on the man. Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu melech haolam, hamotzi lechem min hashamayim. That was a beracha they used to say. Could you imagine, you get that bread from heaven, what does it taste like? Whatever the heck you want it to taste like. And then what happens? The Jew says, you know, I remember the echo we used to have in Egypt. We used to sit around the, around the pots, the seer. We used to have the onion, and we had the, this, and the kishuim, we had this, we had that. My friends, what do you mean you miss that? Didn't you have any flavor in the man? You're missing onions? Think onions, fada, crunch. You have it immediately. Two opinions on this idea. One opinion says... They could have, but they wanted to see it with their eyes. Other opinion is, beautiful Dvar Torah, there are certain foods that are not healthy for people. Uh, for Yoledet, the Gemara says, listed as unhealthy foods for specific people are each one of the items that's mentioned by the Jews. So why did God not put it there? Because it wasn't healthy. You have everything else. Only a Jew could eat man that has every flavor in the world. Whatever you want. Beef Wellington. The guy's like, you know, squash. If I could have squash right now, if I had watermelon, just watermelon, I have every other fruit, melon thing in the world, ice cream, every flavor. I don't have watermelon. You know, I don't have. How could that be? You know what the answer is? Every negative thing in this world comes from a positive root. The Zohar teaches that if everything comes from God, there cannot be something that doesn't have a yinika, that doesn't uh, feed on, that doesn't stem from something of kedusha. Because if it doesn't stem in kedusha and then get perverted to non kedusha, it couldn't exist in a world that comes from God, who is kulotob. So a complaining Jew, where'd that come from? If God gave a Jew the job to perfect the world, what does he have to see in order to be able to perfect it? All of its deficiencies. All of its problems. A complaining Jew was how we were designed. But not to kvetch and to complain and be cynical and be negative. I remember once I was speaking to a very high-powered CEO. And I went to speak to him in London, and I said to him, you know, we have this issue with the community, I don't know what to do, we have to figure something out. He said to me, you know what I tell all the people at work who work for me? Very successful man. He said, don't bring me problems. Bring me solutions to problems. You wanna come bring me a problem? Fadal. But don't come to me until you figure out a way to try and solve it. The complaining Jew was designed to be able to come with a solution to that problem. You want to complain about something in shul? Sponsor the answer to that problem in shul. You don't like the talets that are non-slip, Dave? Donate the non-slip taletot. Hazaku Baruch. You don't like the problem that there's no, what's it called? That there's no cushion on the, on the, the what's it called, on the seat? 
upstairs that's comfortable enough for your abo, mechila. Come forward and say, I would like to donate the cushion and the... And that's what someone did. In the end, they didn't act the synagogue, the foundation, Yishtabach uh, Shemur paid for them. They switched the items. But someone came and offered. That's how they came, with the solution to the problem. My friends, this is not about this shul. This is not about this community. This is about a Jew's world view. Are you a solution-oriented person? Or are you a problem-oriented person? Don't talk to your wife about an issue that you don't like in the family just to be able to point out that you're not happy. Say, you know something? I was thinking, I noticed that this is something of an issue, so why don't we do this? What have you done when you talk to someone from a place of solutions? You've also made them not be defensive. You've also made them not be negative. They're also operating from within. Many times what the person will then do is say, why don't we do it like this? Why don't we tweak it like that? How different is that conversation? When the two of you now are talking about different ways to solve the problem instead of, oh, got me. My friends, if we are arrogant, we believe we have nothing to fix. If we have humility, we realize that we have everything to fix. If we have real humility, we realize that even if we did all the fixing in the world right over here, it might not be enough to save this broken soul, to save this person here. So you know what? I need extra credit. I need to turn my sins into mitzvot. I need to turn my jacket, shatnez, into kiddush Hashem. I need to figure out how to use that depreciation into something even more valuable. I need to figure out how to become valuable to the tzibur. I need to figure out, I had someone once, he was so happy. He said, Rabbi, I noticed that the, what's it called? That the sidur... At the, for the chazanim, the spine is broken. Who was it? I believe it was Teddy Sroor. He was so happy. I said, I'm so sorry, because I think he donated them. I said, I'm so sorry, we'll fix it, we'll tape it. He said, no, he was so happy. He says, that means I could donate a new one. Ya'eni! Isn't that beautiful? All he wanted to do was donate a new one. All Sammy wanted to do is get us a new toaster. <laughs> with Jews, with our superpower, we can fix so much. And like Rabbi Salanter used to say, he once was walking home and he saw a light on in a house late at night and he walked up to the house to see if everything was okay and it was a shoemaker. And he asked the shoemaker, what are you doing? And he said, as long as there is light left, as long as the candle burns, I could still fix I still have shoes to fix. So this candle is still burning. I could still do my work. And Rabbi Salanta went home and this became his mantra. So long as the candle burns, Kimer Elohim, Nishmata Adam, the soul of a person is the candle of God. So long as the candle's burning, if Taken, a person can still fix. Hashem should bless us to be fixers, to be solution oriented to find problems with an excitement to be able to solve them, to be valuable to the community. And through that, with that humility, to come in front of God. Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Erev Yom Kippur edition. Breakfast in the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Mrs. Lily Safra, Lea Shanoli Nishbat, Lea Batchana. Her philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. Dedicated also in loving memory of Joseph Sutton, Allah Shalom, 
Lilu Nishmat Yosef Ben Sarah, sponsored anonymously. Also, the week of breakfast in the class is dedicated in loving memory of Sinai Tur Chosh, Alea Shalom, Lilu Nishmat, Sinai Tur Bat, Shokrula, Alea Shalom, sponsored by our grandson Ben Chakshur. Um, as well, uh, dedicated uh, uh, in honor of Rabbi Fari and Rabbi Mizrahi for all the Torah they spread around the world, sponsored anonymously. Just so you know, I didn't make that up for myself. Okay. As well, uh, sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Um, my friends, um, I know it's a little bit difficult uh, today because we're in this, this lobby and any noise, even if you're whispering, uh, you, it picks up because of the room. So, Dachilak, if we could just be quiet um, uh, so that uh, it doesn't all come out on the uh, recording and people are trying to hear it uh, far away. My friends, today is Erev Yom HaKippurim. And I just want to point out, through using a few small, simple ideas, what it is that the avodah, that the work for today is going to be. And in order to do so, please, uh, if I could beg your indulgence, let's quote the pasuk. The pasuk says, And you will afflict yourselves. And how are we going to afflict ourselves? How are we going to afflict our nefesh? Uh, how are we going to do that? We do that by not eating, by not drinking, by not uh, smearing, you know, anointing ourselves with oils, by not, by not doing rechitza, by not bathing, by not engaging in nilata in, sandal, uh, wearing of leather shoes, and by uh, disengaging, so to speak, from marital intimacy. And the question that I think anyone has to notice is, this is a very strange thing. You're telling me that you're going to afflict yourself. Why? By not eating, not drinking. All these things are physical things. So in what way is that v'initemet nafshotechem? Nafshotechem is your nefesh, your soul. What should it say? V'initem, and you should uh, afflict et gufchem, your body. All of these things are relevant to the body. So if you want to see one approach, I gave one approach when we spoke this past week. Uh, the shiur is alive. You can find it on YouTube. It's called Connecting the Pipes. We gave it in SLC when my, myself and Rabbi Mizrahi spoke there uh, the other night. But I want to share perhaps a different idea, a beautiful idea that I saw uh, set over in the name of the Gaon Mitshibin. He says as follows. Listen to this idea. It's magnificent. He says, he asks actually a question. He says, if you look, when the Jewish people received in the desert, they received the manna. The manna. And the Pasuk tells us that the Jewish people, when they were rejecting the manna, what did they say to God? They said to Borei Olam, Nafshenu katsa, our souls have become sickened. Right? We're, nafshenu, our souls, yivesha. Our souls are dried out. Melecha mekelokel. From this bread, this uh, bread of the, of the man. And the question is, if what they were missing was the kishuim, the avatichim, they were missing all these different types of foods that they felt that the manna couldn't represent. So why would they say that their souls were dry? That their souls were rejecting it? They should say that their body is rejecting it. Because the body, after all, is the thing that eats all this food. Why they use the word nefesh? A very similar sounding question. And listen to this idea, my friends. It is a game changer. You know what the Jewish people were complaining about? Maybe not on the surface. But deep down, why do people complain about something when they're missing something? You're complaining. When you feel like you're lacking something, you complain. That's when you do that, correct? You feel like something's off, something's lacking. What were the Jews lacking? 
The Jews were lacking, listen to this my friends, they were lacking berachot. There was only one berachah that you make on the man. What berachah is that? Hamotzi lechem min hashamayim. But where's my bore priya etz? Where's my bore priya adama? Where's my she'akol niyavet baro? Where's my anything? All of that is gone. So all the berachot that they were missing, they, they were lacking that berachah. So what did they say? Nafshenu, our souls are dried out. What brings a person's soul to life is the power of making berachot. My friends, I want to add to this one uh, extra idea. The rabbi rab, from Matoka Or, he went once to ask the question of uh, Rab Chaim Kanievsky. This is what he asked him. He says that it says that Moshe Rabbeinu, before he met God, he had to spend some time in isolation. Why? Six days he spent in isolation to get rid of all food and drink from his body. So that when he had this ultimate revelation from God, in the Aseret Debrot, he would be completely, it would be out of his system. The rabbi went to Rabbi Chaim and he asked him the following question. We know it says that the manna, it wasn't like regular food. They didn't have to go to the bathroom from the man. They didn't have to go to the bathroom. Why? Because it was nivla, it was swallowed up by evarim in, the, in, the, in, the, in their limbs. So they didn't have to go to the bathroom. It didn't cause them a stomach ache. It was the only time that there was all the Jews and nobody had IBS. No one had stomach issues, no one had any problems. <coughs> Nothing. Why? Because it was Nivla and Evarim. It was swallowed up in their bodies. Right, friends? So why did Moshe Rabbeinu need to go and, and spend this time letting the food get out of his system? He was eating man. Instead of Chaim Kanievsky, you know why? Moshe Rabbeinu Wherever they were traveling, they had non-Jews come and they would, they would open up a shuk for the Jewish people to buy things. Moshe Rabbeinu would buy from the non-Jewish merchants fruits, vegetables to be able to eat. He asked the rabbi, why would Moshe Rabbeinu buy that? And that's why he needed, that's why he needed to spend the time getting rid of the body, getting rid of these things <coughs> from his body. Rabotai, please don't say amen if you're listening to the recording, only if you're here with us live. Amen. Thank you very much. My friends, listen to this. Why did Moshe buy it? Why did he need to wait? The answer, my friend, answer, my friends, is that Moshe Rabbeinu was looking for Berachot. He was missing the Berachot of Shakol, of Bore Priyadama, Mizonot, whatever. He was missing the Berachot of Asher Yatzar. Like we spoke about on Shabbat, because if you don't go to the bathroom, you don't make Asher Yatzar. My friends, for that reason, Moshe Rabbeinu was, uh, had to wait this time in order to go to, uh, in order to, go to Akadosh Baruch Hu, uh, without having the food and drink in his system. I'm telling you this, my friends, I think for something, for a very powerful reason. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest of the great, what was he looking for? He was looking to find a few more Berachot. All day long he's doing the right thing. But it is never enough. We always want more. Now listen to this, because I think that this is a game changer. What do we say after we say all those berachot? After we say mezonot, excuse me, she'akol, after we say bore priyaetz, you know, what do we say? Bore nefashot rabot v'chesronan. HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates nefashot rabot, many souls v'chesronan, everything that they are missing. My friends, sometimes our nefesh is missing a tikkun. It's missing a certain mitzvah. The only problem is without the prophets, 
We don't know which mitzvah, which mitzvot our souls are missing. The rabbis tell us that there was a time when the Navi would say, you're sick, you know what you need to do? You need to do shiluach haken. They could look at the person, see which one of the evarim was lacking, and they would know, oh, it's a kidney problem, like this or like this, and there would be like a prescription, except it wasn't filled in Duane Reed. It wasn't filled, but Duane Reed is owned, I think, by a family that Kohanim, nachon? Used to, used to be Kohanim. So just like now, we would go for a prescription to the Kohen to get it better. <laughs> they would also have a prescription written. They would go to the Kohen. And the Kohen would say, you need this korban. You need that korban. What are they missing? What mitzvah are we missing? Which beracha am I missing? What a gorgeous idea on Erev Yom Kippur to be thinking about. My friends, I need to share something with you that I think is super, super important on this day. You know, I had a friend a little while ago uh, unfortunately, uh, she, uh, they, the family had a child and the child uh, was in a coma. And at a certain point, the, the hospital says, we can't keep this person on the machine on life support anymore. It's time to take them off. There's no movement, take them off. There's no brain movement, chalas. Medically, they're considered already dead. Unplug the child from the machine. Shema Israel, what they went through, fighting with the hospital ethics board. Uh, we had to pay money to hire lawyers so that they could convince them to, literally, it's a stay of execution, okay? Crazy what was going on. In the end, the child survived for another week, and then at the end of that week, unfortunately, uh, she passed away. So someone said, Rabbi, all this money we raised, all this that we did was a waste of time. You know, anyway, she died. I said, it's true. But if we didn't give this mother the chance to save her daughter, two people would have died that day. One person in reality, and the other, for the rest of her life thinking, that she wasn't able to have a chance. But my friends, I want to ask you, what if there was a different solution? What if on the very last day, on the seventh day, after the hospitals agreed to give one more chance for pulling the plug, what if they said, today's the last day? Could you imagine? This person walks into the hospital room. She throws the nurses and the doctors out. And she starts screaming on top of her lungs at her son or her daughter. Move, say something, do something, blink your eye, move your lip, wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes, do anything, say anything. If you don't say anything, I can't save you. If you don't do anything, I can't save you. Could you imagine? Screaming! Quiet, nothing happens. Could you imagine this father taking the blanket or the mother, pulling the covers off the child, so they could see the whole of the body. Is there any part of the body? Maybe not the face. Maybe not the fingers. How about the shoulder? How about the front? Maybe they're flexing some muscle. Can I see something? Can I notice in the toes? Can I notice a knee, a little twitch? Anything indicating that there's a sign of life. Please, Dachilak, show me that you're here. Could you imagine what that would look like? Screaming to the doctor, to the nurse, look, look at the knee. Look over here, I want to show you, look at this toe. The tiny toe is moving a drop. You didn't notice it, it was covered with a blanket. Boreh Olam gives us the whole of Elul to show us that we are alive. You show me, you're sticking to me. I'm giving you life. But what happens when the time is running out, my friends, and Elul is gone? And then what happens, Roshana? Gone. Gone. Erev Yom Kippur was sitting at the last moment. And Borei Olam pulls the blanket off. 
and he says, show me you're moving. Show me some movement, a word, a bracha, a mitzvah, something indicating to me that you are alive. If that's the case, if you're alive, can you grab on if there's life left? Can you grab on? Then we get all the berachot. But my friends, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, He could do anything. Is there anything God can't do? Nothing. God could do everything. If God wants like this, He could do cure cancer. He could cure Alzheimer's. He has the cure to every disease. He has the panacea. He's able to solve every financial problem. Every shalom bayit thing that seems impossible to solve, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the key to the softening of that person's heart. There's nothing that he can't do. Nothing. Except for one thing. He can't make a move for you. He can't wiggle your toes for you. That's what you bring to the table. So my friends, if our souls are dry, what are we missing? Which brachot, which mitzvot are we missing? Can we bring into our life? And don't start, don't promise God today that you're going to do it tomorrow. Don't promise God with Kabbalot now, Yom Kippur, that you're going to do something. I want to say something different. What do we say all the time? Gemar Hatimatova. That's what we wish each other, right? Gemar Hatimatova. What does Gemar Hatimatova mean? What does that mean? Finishing, right? You should finish with a signing that is good. What's Gemar? Say Hatimatova. What is this Gemar Hatimatova? I want to suggest something. My friends, I want to suggest something and I think it's crazy. And I think if anyone knows about this, pro tip, this hack, you're, you're, you're sailing. Don't make a Kabbalah today. Start a mitzvah today. Open up a Gemara and study the first line. And tell Borei Olam, I'm going to do line two tomorrow. I'm starting to join Rabbi Friedman's, Rabbi Mizrahi's, Rabbi Fahi's Gemara class. I'm starting to listen to the shiur every morning breakfast in the class. Rabbi Hashem, please, I want to make 12 monthly payments to the Beit HaKneset, to the Edmund J. Safra Synagogue, to Chazak, to the year-end campaign. I'm starting my donation. I'm only giving the first one. I'm only studying the first page. I'm only making the first step, Borei Olam. But what does it say about mitzvot that a person starts? You start a mitzvah, Omrim lo gemor. We tell you, finish. That's what it means, Gemahatimatova. God says, You sign the check, the first installment of Siddhaka, I'm going to make sure that you live to pay the rest of your donations. I'm going to make sure that you finish this Masechet. Don't make Kabbalot, start Kabbalot. Get the ball rolling in however many lanes you can. Because you know what? Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're in? Okay, Fadal. My friends, how many people lost their house to the bank? Because they can't make a mortgage payment. But there's a little known fact that most people don't know. People who lost their houses don't know. And this, by the way, should become a tzedakah in the community. You could negotiate with the bank. The bank is not in real estate. They don't want to be in real estate. They have no interest whatsoever in becoming Compass or Douglas Elliman or whatever other uh, you know, brokerage you come from. They don't care about that. Mashiach Realty, right? They don't come from that. 
They're not a real estate broker. They want to lend you money and they want you to make payments. Do you know what they need in order to let you keep your house? They need you to come to them and say, I can't pay 500, I could pay 480. And here's my first payment. The bank will negotiate with you because they'd rather get a little bit less but have the money coming in. My friends, don't make Kabbalah, start Kabbalah. Let me say one last thing because I want to show you what happens when a person makes a move, when a person does something. I must share with you a story that recently happened. I can't tell you. My heart was uh, both broken and made. It made my heart and it broke my heart at the same time. A person came to me a little while ago and they needed someone to say Kaddish for, uh, for a family member that passed away. So I said to them, look, you know, of course you're gonna, someone's going to try to say Kaddish, but in case you miss, a lot of people, they have a backup Kaddish person. That's what they do. They want to make sure that there's someone that's going to make Kaddish every single day, Shachrit, Mercha, et etc., etc., etc. Guy said, okay. I said, I have someone in mind. Talmid Chacham has a big family. He's, uh, you know, living the life of Kiddushah, complete Kiddushah, doesn't have any access to anything that's not Kadosh. The holiest, sweetest, nicest guy from the time he was a kid. He's a, one of my, a dear friend of mine, okay? Super special guy. And I said, this guy, I'm going to ask him to say Kaddish. Not only are you going to be doing the mitzvah of Kaddish, you'll also be helping someone with his parnasah. Things are not uh, you know, so easy uh, for this guy with a big family. He's a rebbe in a school. He's a, a rabbi. The guy says, sure, no problem. I get a phone call, my friends, after I set this up and I call him. The guy calls me and says, Rabbi, I can't believe it. I said, what do you mean? He said, listen to me. I am a chazan on Yom Kippur. And I was sitting to myself, crying just yesterday, crying to my wife, how could I have the chutzpah to come in front of God and be a chazan for the community when I owe someone money and I haven't paid them back? What do we say about Yom Kippur? Forgiveness for everything. But not if you owe something to somebody. Not if you didn't get mechila from, a, from your friend. That's what the words of Harambam. Doesn't you get no mechila from God if you didn't get mechila from your friend? How am I going to be the hazan if I owe someone money I didn't pay them back? And I have nothing to pay them back with. I can't go in like this with Chovot to Yom Kippur and go to God and be clean. I can't. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. What should I do? He asks his wife. And his wife says this. She says, pray to Borei Olam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could solve anything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could solve anything. He said to his wife, you're right. Her emunah carries the day. He turns to Borei Olam with complete emunah. And he says to Borei Olam, I don't have the money. I want to do the tefillah of Chazan. I want to come to Yom Kippur the best way possible. I don't have it. Please, Hashem, you take care of it. He says, and on the same day, I get a phone call and a wire. And not only that, the person didn't wire them the month's payments one by one. They wired them head checks. for the. He sent them the money for the whole year, which is more than what he needed to be able to pay this guy back. He paid the fellow back, and now he's coming with a clean heart to Yom Kippur. Hashem says to each and every one of us, your move, but I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. You never knew this, by the way. God's a poker player. And you know what his, fa his favorite move is? You know what his favorite move is? I see your... And I raise you. You're showing me this amount of emunah? No problem, here you go. I'm raising you. 
You show me more emunah, I raise you more. You show me more emunah, I raise you more. You put it in my hands, you recognize that there was no one else but me, and the only way you're going to get this money is me, you're going to get a phone call out of nowhere, and everything is going to be taken care of. Dial up the emunah, dial up the response. God has more than enough money. He doesn't have a problem with money. He doesn't have a problem with cures. He doesn't have a problem with shalom bay. He doesn't have a problem with miracles. God can do anything. But there's one thing that God can't do. And he can't make your move for you. For that, for that, for that, a person needs to step up to the plate. My friends, it's Erev Yom Kippur. You're sitting at the big table. The heavy roller's table. It's not a thousand, it's not a hundred thousand dollars, it's not a million dollars a roll. It is life itself we're playing for. Get your head in the game. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve